Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of Freedom from Addiction, Truth, Just Below the Surface, and the Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome Reverend Wynn Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? What's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing good, Neil. Um, it's a pleasure to do this show today. And for my listeners, uh, it's my sincerest desire for you to get something out of it that will make your life richer, fuller, and safer. My name is Reverend Wynn Henderson. As an ordained Christian minister and a retired medical doctor, I have a dual perspective to bring you content to solve problems in your life. This podcast is the longest running, single hosted, spiritually based radio internet talk show in America. It's been on the air for over 20 years. I bring you information about the disease of addiction, about your purpose in life, and investigative reporting on truth just below the surface. Now today, we have Dr. Patrick Sanahan. And the doctor has written a book called How to Be a Better Procrastinator. You know, there's about 20% of the people for whom procrastination is a chronic problem. And despite this terrible habit, Patrick has earned his PhD written 12 books, published 50 academic articles. And on this program, he'll share with you some of the effective strategies for managing procrastination from his new book, How to Be a Better Procrastinator. You'll learn that while this habit might never go away, there are steps to take to avoid the guilt and anxiety that often accompanies it and how to do what you dread to do anyway. You'll find out why people put things off, the instant reward they get for doing that, and who some famous procrastinators were who nevertheless still managed to do amazing things. Dr. Pat, it's nice to have you on the program today. Thank you, Reverend Henderson. That's a great introduction. Um, there's a lot of information here this is a content-rich program, and I try to give my listeners as much content as I can. So let's get on with it. Yep. You're a procrastinator par excellence, but you were able, in spite of that, to do a lot of wonderful things in your life. What, uh, in your opinion, is the cause of procrastination? Uh, well, Reverend Henderson, it's, it's, a, it's a habit that gets formed when uh, usually there's a, a, an uncomfortable task or an overwhelming task or something that causes some stress. And the emotions around doing the task are very, very intense. And um, they're almost overwhelming, you know, stress, anxiety. And uh, if you step away from the task, immediately all those negative emotions disappear. It's like, oh, it's just a sense of relief that is very powerful. Now, intellectually, you know you still have to do the task, but emotionally, you feel much better, and that's what keeps the habit keep on going. Was that helpful? Yes, it, yes, it was. And so the anxiety associated with knowing you've got to do something that's hard or complex or whatever yep. is relieved temporarily, and you put things off and put them off until it's time to do them, and then you're, and you're behind uh, and... That gets a lot of people in trouble. It sure does. It sure does. In fact, a lot of people think that they perform well under pressure, so they wait to the last minute. 
but there's a, a, a big chunk of research that shows the people who do that at the last minute, their reports, uh, the papers they send in tend to have a lot more editorial mistakes because they didn't get a chance to have enough time to review it. A lot of the students uh, that get caught in procrastination and college students are, are really guilty of procrastinating and waiting until the very end. Oftentimes their grades can drop by a half a grade because they hand things in the last minute and they're sloppy, not well thought, not well done. So you pay a price for the habit. So how do you approach neutralizing that bad habit? That's, that's a great example. Uh, and the neutralization piece is that uh, you, there's a few strategies you can use. And one is, is, is chewable chunks, we call it, where you only take a task. Like for me, I still have a fair amount of anxiety around income taxes. And 20 odd years ago, I had to actually pay some penalties for some late filing fees. I haven't done that in 20 years, so I know I'm getting better. And uh, I'm never going to be looking forward to doing my income taxes. But what I do it in is I do it in 15 minute chunks. And I set a timer. And for most people, the, the thing that the audience needs to understand is starting is the hardest part for procrastinators. So any way you can start, you'll get movement and motion and motivation. And so 15 minutes is pretty chewable. I can do it for 15 minutes. I also do something that's called temptation bundling. And it's a very powerful little notion. Temptation bundling is when you connect something that's positive with something that you don't like to do. So if you have to clean the garage, you know, a lot of men or women will listen to a sports show. If someone's got to do a lot of ironing, they might watch a movie while they do it. So you, temp, you, you, you bring a temptation and you pair that with something positive and you can get through it. So for me, what I do when I do my income taxes is I always watch sports. And that can be basketball, that can be baseball, that can be football because I really enjoy sports. It takes me two and three times longer. And that's OK, because the goal for procrastinators is to finish. So I do 15 minutes, I watch a basketball game, I get a little bit done, bing. And then the other third thing, uh, Reverend Henderson is, and this is where a lot of adults get a little caught, rewards work. So if you reward yourself for getting a noxious task done, you, you will get motivated to for the about the reward. In fact, the anticipation of the reward oftentimes is much more powerful than the reward itself. So after my 15 minutes of kind of income tax, even when I'm watching the, the basketball game, I might have a snack. I might listen to some music. I might take a walk around. I do a reward after the task, and they're very powerful. But a lot of times, adults think they shouldn't need a reward, and it's silly thinking. Rewards work, so use them. So you have these various goals, these little chunks. How do you determine what those goals are going to be? And then do you write them down uh, like uh, one, two, three, four? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, David Allen's been a writer uh, for many years. He's written a lot of books on time management and productivity. And he found in his research that only 3% of us write down their goals. So right away, just writing down your goals, you're way ahead of everybody else. So writing down your goals, I think, is really important. The other thing you have to be very conscious of, and right now we have a lot of people who are talking about New Year's resolutions, right? And we know the research tells us that 92% of us don't complete them by the end of the, at, at the end of the month. I mean, we just give up. And the two reasons for that are we have too many goals, right? We say, oh, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, or we don't give ourselves enough time. So have fewer goals and give yourself more time, and you will accomplish what's important. And like you said, health, wealth, friendships, spirituality, I mean, only have three or four areas and have one or two goals max in each one. That's a very full life. Yeah, it, uh, it takes a lot of time and energy just to stay up with the day-to-day -day 
things that yeah. distract you, like getting a hundred emails and answering them. Exactly. And so, so that's very important. Um, there are some negative myths associated with procrastination. Can you yeah. speak to that? Yes, thank you. Uh, the biggest one is that somehow procrastinators have gotten the reputation that they're lazy people and nothing could be further from the truth. Many procrastinators, I worked a lot of my clients with procrastination habit, and I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, I'm just an organizational development guy, uh, but they're not lazy, they're very hardworking and very accomplished. And that's why, you know, in my little bio there, I, I've, I wrestle with procrastination, but I'm also very productive. And that's, the, that's a big theme of the book. You can be productive and still procrastinate around some things. The other thing is this notion around willpower. A, a lot of people think that the, you got a ton of willpower in your back pocket. And the research is very clear. Willpower is a very small resource. It's not a big pool in the backyard you can just dip in anytime you want. It's like a small pail. And so procrastinators, what they need to do is use their limited willpower. It's almost like you exercise a muscle over time and you just it just it just gets tired or a battery that you keep on running. So it's not something that's endless. You have to be very strategic with willpower. And so usually you have to use it at the starting of a task and, and then that chewable chunks, as I said, and then apply your willpower and get through the first 15 minutes. For me, I'm a very good beginner and very good in the middle. Where I have uh, uh, challenges is, is, is the last mile. The last mile for me is the longest one. So that's when I use my willpower and some tools and techniques to punch through that last, uh, could be a paper, could be a report, could be a, a client report. And the third one that I think that the, the procrastinators really need to think about deeply is a lot of times they say, well, I'll, I'll feel like doing it tomorrow. And uh, the motivate, I don't feel motivated to do the task. The reality is exactly, yeah. none of us are motivated to do some of these tasks. But if you act, it creates energy, and that's what creates the motivation. So it's not a motivation first. It's action first, and motivation follows. I'm a big, I'm a big, yeah, yeah, I'm a big list guy. Um, yes. Patrick, and lists and calendars and different things. And yet, what always we never want to put in our list or our calendar things we don't want to do and we'll procrastinate those to the last minute how do we work on that in certain ways to not do that those items that just don't want to do you're just dreading to do what's your recommendation yeah i would i would try to like i said uh, make i would do your temptation bundling what's an activity you can do that's pleasant that you can do while you're doing the task that would be a very powerful thing to kind of do uh, the Reverend mentioned something about distractions. If you got distractions around you, like you're dinging emails and telephone calls, we're distraction machines. Go someplace where it's quiet just for 15 minutes and you can move through some of these noxious tasks. And the last thing, Neil, would be two things. The reward thing. Don't forget that. If you got something, oh, I'm gone. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. If you do do it, give yourself a juicy reward, whatever that might be, and make your progress visible. Like I have a to-do list every day, just like you do, Neil. And the mistake I made, I don't know where I got the notion, was I always had 10 things to do. And none of them were little little things. They were pretty big things. And I about four years ago, I said, well, where did I come up with the number 10? And so just to make a long story short is that, you know, you don't need to do 10 things probably in a day. If I, and I, Right now, what I do is I do six things in a day. And if I have some extra time, I might do a secondary list. And then I cross them off. You can see my office. I have this big red marker. And every time I finish one of these to-dos, I cross it off with a big red marker and it feels like a million dollars. So making your, prog your progress visible is very, very helpful. I wanted to uh, go back to what you said about willpower. Yes. In, uh, in my uh, line of, um, of work, I take uh, into account 
addicts of all types, 30 different types of addictions. And some of them think that they should have the willpower to be able to stop whatever it is that they're addicted to. But I'm here to let you know that by itself, willpower will not get it. Addiction is stronger than willpower. And so you have to have something extra. And um, so you can read my book to find out what the extra is. And you can read uh, Dr. Sanahan's book to find out what uh, the relationship between willpower and procrastination is. That's a great point, uh, Reverend Henderson, because then then people beat themselves up. They say, oh, I'm weak. I'm a weak individual because I can't kick this thing. You need support groups. You need routines. You need rituals. You know that a lot better than I do. But you need lots and lots of tools in your box to be able to deal with something like addiction or procrastination. But quit beating yourself up because the, the bad self-talk just keeps the procrastination habit going. Now, here's another thing to expand on. Tell us about the powerful role of rewards and the dangers of shoulds in parentheses. Yeah. Well, I, I, I touched upon that a little bit earlier in that we have this thinking that, oh, and I, I bumped in this when I was writing my dissertation 30 years ago. I should not have to reward myself. I'm a mature 30-year-old adult. What am I, you know, I should just be able to do it. But the, class, the problem was I wasn't doing it. And until I got into a small room and had no distractions, until I made my progress visible on a wall, I would have a big checklist. And I rewarded myself three nights a week to go to a movie. I live in the Philadelphia area. At nighttime, they had a nine o'clock movie that's usually a foreign film of some kind. And I'd rush there from 8.30, get there at 9 o'clock, get a big bucket of popcorn. And I, uh, and I did that three nights a week and, on Saturdays. And in one, one semester, I knocked off three chapters of my dissertation after having my committee extend my dissertation time twice. So it, it just works. And I, I had to get out of there thinking I shouldn't need a reward. And I loved the movies. It was something to look forward to. And I didn't go to the movie if I didn't do my four hours of research and writing. So we talked about distraction magnets. Yes. And uh, they happened to me every day. And I would pull my hair out, except right. for the fact that I don't have any. Right, right. Um, but uh, how, do you, how, do you, how do you even start at getting rid of distractions? Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's not easy. Uh, if you have a, a desk that's pretty cluttered, that's a distraction magnet. I mean, and then you start organizing your files and not doing the task. So I always say go someplace else. If the desk is all kind of messy, go to your kitchen table. That's probably less messy. Or go to your dining room table. That's probably less necessary. Just get rid of the distractions. Turn off your emails. There's a lot of applications out there, apps, that you can turn off your emails for two or three hours at a time. And then what I do when I have to do writing, the reading part always comes easy to me. The research I kind of enjoy because you're learning. The writing part, I go to a local library. I have a local library less than three blocks from my house. And uh, even COVID times, you have to wear a mask. But I go there and I find a little corner and I spend somewhere between three and five hours a day doing my writing. And there's, it's just a great space for me. And then it's always good to have a plan B. There's a university, Delaware Valley University, that's about a mile from the house. And if, I, if the place gets too noisy, the local library, I can just drive my car and go to the, and they have a quiet room there. So you don't have any talking at all. All you're doing is focused on your work. So I have two kind of backup plans to help me focus and get rid of distractions completely. It's not easy though. It's not easy. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm wondering, uh, and Neil, you might uh, you might add uh, if you like to this, but how much more could an individual do if he used Dr. Sanahan's uh, tips in his book, How to Be a Better Procrastinator, as far as getting things accomplished in life? Isn't this very important? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm not too concerned about more because most of us are trying to do too much, right? And um, I'm not worried about more at all. Uh, I'm saying you want to do more quality stuff, right? You have to figure out what's my purpose, what's my vision, what do I want to accomplish in my life? You had mentioned earlier about health and wealth and friendships. Have one or two goals in those areas there. And these little tips, there's over 100 of them there. So if one doesn't work, you try something else. What you don't want to do is try seven of them, right? Because that's what procrastinators do. They say, oh, golly, I like this idea and this idea and this idea. And they try them all and they all fail. If you just take one idea and apply it, it'll probably work. And if it doesn't, you have 99 more ideas in the book. So it's really being minimizing your expectations and focusing on what really, really works. It's not about cramming more stuff in your day. Time management people, they've written 100 books on that kind of stuff. And people have the cram and cram and cram with fear of missing out. I think they call it the FOMO uh, uh, syndrome. And I'm more worried about the tough things. Like Neil said, the things you want to procrastinate in the bottom of the list, I'm more, I'm more concerned about focusing on those things so that you can get them out of your life because there's a lot of stress and a lot of regret that uh, people who procrastinate have because the shadow of the task is always there, right? If I keep on delaying the income tax, I can't go enjoy a football game because I'm thinking about the income tax. So get rid of the shadow by doing the task in chewable chunks. And I think, it's, I think that people have to, in a lot of ways, when and uh, Dr. Patrick look at exactly their productivity, what they're able to produce and what they do. And then once you kind of evaluate that, that shows up what your list will be, what your calendar will be. If yep. certain items don't, it seems like, hey, I'm not going to be able to do this. And every time it's on my list and it doesn't end up happening, then really look at a lot of Dr. Patrick's tips because they really uh, will get you to where you go. And I, I love the title of the book because it makes you question, uh, Dr. Patrick, oh, come on now, you think procrastination is a good thing. And I'm going to ask that question. Do you think procrastination is a good thing? I think if you pay a price for it with stress and anxiety, worry and guilt, it's not. But Neil, there's a, there's a thing called secondary procrastination. A lot of creative people have this. They have these notions in their head. And oftentimes they don't put a to-do list together. I can assure you I'm married to one. And they put something in the back burner and it's always kind of there, but there's no stress and guilt about it. They know the creative process is going. So a famous example is Leonardo da Vinci. He took 16 years to paint the Mona Lisa. That's a long time, but it's one of the great paintings. Uh, and it was history. worth it. It was, it worth, was worth it. it. Yeah, it was worth he, he was a visionary, right? He was he, a visionary. A lot, sometimes visionaries, uh, futurists are the ones that are very, very successful. It just takes the time for their due time to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Frank Lloyd Light, right, the famous architect, uh, with falling water, which is here in Pennsylvania, beautiful building. I mean, it's a world-class building. He did the plans for that under two hours because his client called up after a year of being frustrated by putting them off. He says, I'm driving up there and we're going to meet and you have to show me the plans. And it all came together in two hours. One of the great iconic buildings in the country, he did it in two hours. Now he'd been germinating about it. He'd been thinking about it, but he was procrastinating big time. This guy put the pressure on him, went up to see him, and in two hours, he, he do one of the you know the best buildings in the country. Now, um, Dr. Sanahan, um, 
this is a, a topic that that I have brought over from my treatment of addiction. Yes. And uh, is something that you also talk about, which is having an accountability partner. Yes. Yeah, that's a powerful notion. And uh, accountability partner is not like just a buddy, right? Because if you drop the ball with your commitment, your buddy will say, eh, you know, Reverend Henderson, that wasn't that important, you know, and they'll poo-poo it away. Accountability partner is someone in your life that you really respect and admire. That if you give your word to them, that you're going to keep it. So it, it's not without risk. But if you have something to do, like Neil talked about those couple things at the bottom of his to-do list, and I'm sure he's a very accomplished man. Uh, first of all, you have to ask, do I still want to do them? Is there a reason why I can, you know, maybe I could pass on this? But he said, no, I still got to do it. If he gave his word to a, a to a, an accountability partner, someone he respected, admired, there's a good chance he'd move forward on that using some of the strategies. But it's not without risk. And sometimes I've seen two two people with their accountability partner, they actually gave him a, a fair amount of money and said, if I don't do this by the end of the week, you keep the money or you give it to a charity. And that's another way of holding someone accountable. And then there is a program on in the internet someplace called stick s-t-i-c-k-k.com and i i only know about it i have no no affiliation with it but what they do is that you put a commitment down and they give you a referee and they give you a time frame and you put some money on the table with a credit card and if that isn't done and you can't show the evidence they collect and they've made millions on that because procrastination is a tough habit you have a chapter in your book uh... 21 powerful ideas about managing your procrastination and it starts with chewable chunks yes um, what what are some of the other top uh ideas in that chapter yeah i think that the uh, and, and we talked a little bit about this uh mark twain a lot of years ago said uh, boy if you have two frogs to eat eat the big one first and i think that's a powerful misdirection because if you give a procrastinator two frogs, they're never going to eat the first one first. They'll get overwhelmed with it, they'll get stressed about it, and they'll just walk away. But they might tackle the small frog, right? And those are metaphors, obviously. The small frog by doing it in chewable chunks, uh, chopping it up, putting a little sauce on it, right? So you got something, uh, temptation bundling, doing it with a friend, doing it with a friend, and then rewarding yourself afterwards. And then if I've eaten the little frog, or the smaller task, as it were, now I've got confidence, I've accomplished something, I feel more motivated, and I have some strategies in what works. Then I can tackle the bigger uh, the bigger task. So I think that's a very powerful notion. It, it just shifted my thinking around, you know, taking a little ones and building up some success. Uh, the other thing is, is ask for help. And I'll give you a real quick example here, Reverend Henderson and Neil. Uh, I had a buddy of mine who had a, 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 a three-car garage that was full of stuff. There's no cars in it, it was just full of his stuff. <laughs> And every you know weekend he'd lift up the the thing three cars full of stuff and he would just get overwhelmed he said oh i don't i don't want to begin pat and he just shut down the door and, and you know he'd get in trouble with his wife and his kids because they wanted to put their bikes in there and their cars and so he said what do you think i said is there somebody in your neighborhood that's got a very uh you know crowded sloppy garage just like you do and he said yeah the guy bill right across the street's got the same problem i said well here's a suggestion asking for help you go over to Bill, you bring over a cold beer, and you say, Bill, I'd like to buy you a beer, and I'll, I'll give you an hour of my time to help you begin to clean up your garage. Are you interested? Well, Bill's not going to say no to that deal. He says that the only caveat is next week you buy me a beer, 
and you can buy some of the soda. I'm not trying to sell alcohol here, but they used beer. And then each week they rotated. You went over to Bill's house, Bill came over to his house. And in three months, both the garages were well-organized. Not perfect. They didn't have lists, but you could navigate through it. You could actually park a car. So asking for help is just a smart thing to do. But a lot of adults don't like asking for help. Yeah, that's a, that's an important uh, tip. Definitely. So, uh, go ahead, Neil. No, de definitely. I think it's a great tip. And I think that the, the, the process of doing it, evaluating people and their procrastination level, how are you able to tell people real procrastinators? What do you, how, how do you identify that when you talk to people or people talk about your book or different things to say, yeah. hey, they're really a procrastinator? Yeah, well, they, uh, well, two things. One is there's a little procrastination quiz in the book and it's 20 questions. It takes you, you know, five or seven minutes to fill it out and it'll give you a pretty rich picture about your procrastination habit and what you procrastinate about. That's one way of finding that out. But people come and, 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 and kind of complain about the same thing over and over and over again. The guy with the, the crowded garage, he, for a year, he kind of moaned about that. And, and I realized, well, he's putting this off, putting this off and putting this off. So I waited till he asked for my advice instead of butting my nose in there. The minute he asked for my advice, I got free license to move in there. So when people come up with the same stuff or the deadlines always get missed, you'll see that if you're working with somebody on a team and Pat is always late on his report, you probably got a, a, a good procrastinator. That's where you can be a thought partner, not a critic, a thought partner with Pat and say, how do we help you get these things done on time? Because the bosses are wanting our team reports on time. How do we work together to make that happen? And be a thought partner with the person, could even be an accountability partner with the person, but don't criticize them because it just shuts them down. Um, in my uh, book on um, addiction, I uh, try to define how you can uh, determine whether or not you're addicted to something. Oh. And if you're addicted to procrastination, this is how it would work. Is, is the procrastination something that is hurting you yes. in some way? And, I, and that could be either physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, or whatever. Make an honest determination. Are you being harmed by that habit? And then say, I'm going to try to to stop it because I don't want to be harmed. And if you can't stop it, uh, then you're addicted to it. And then you move into the next level, which is to go into my program on um, how to get over any of 30 different addictive behaviors. So I think procrastination is a subset of negative thinking. Right. And I think that many, many people are addicted to it and is harming many people in many different ways. And so I think that's how procrastination fits into the larger scope of the problem. Yep, well, that's, that's, a, that's a great connection, sir. And I think that the, the health, a lot of times people who procrastinate, procrastinate are like taking care of themselves, going to the doctors. I have a, a friend of mine who's a surgeon and uh, he says people will cancel surgery at the last moment. They keep on putting it off and putting it off. Delaying a colonoscopy. I have a buddy of mine's been talking about for several years. Oh goodness so gracious! It could yeah, it can hurt your health. Yeah, and that's important, especially uh, during these hard times, to make sure you do that. Okay, so the best place uh, for you to purchase your book, uh, Doctor Patrick, is go where? Uh, thanks, Neil. It's uh, on Amazon. 
It's a, a lot of my books are on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com. How to be a better procrastinator, and it's a pretty reasonable price. I think it's thirteen ninety five. Uh, it's an ebook also. So, um, and it's very practical. I mean, I wrote it, it with a lot of practical, commonsensical things backed by research. So it's just not me thinking fancifully, and it's it's a nice little book. So and, uh, and also, uh, and then when where can we check you out? Where's the best place we can go for that? Well, um, as you know, I spend the majority of my time doing my podcast and it's www.freedomfromaddiction.libson.com spelling libson l-i-b as in boy s-y-n with no spaces and no capitals and you can uh, get to that it's free subscribe to it and i probably have 400 different programs on everything in the world that you would want to to know about and i dive deep into many of them and just like this program on procrastination so go over there have your uh, family have your friends have your business associates and everything check out uh, that and that's a good way to get to me excellent all right well thank you again win thank you again dr patrick a tremendous conversation enjoyed it make sure also you check me out uh if i just follow me anywhere and just go neil haley and just google me and appreciate everything and the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Freedom from Rejection, Truth, Just, Below the Service. Take care, guys.